Our dear Heavenly Father, you are the great physician. And I would ask this morning that you would do heart surgery on each one of us. I pray, Lord, that you would take away our heart of stone and give us a heart of flesh. I pray, Lord, that you would transform us by the renewing of our minds and help us, Lord, as we've been doing in this entire series, to take every thought captive, to renew our minds and help us to think on the things of your kingdom. I pray, Lord, that you would heal our emotions. I pray against our fear because your perfect love casts out all fear. I pray against anxiety because your peace that passes all understanding can guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I pray, Lord, against depression because the joy of the Lord is our strength. God, I just pray that our words, that our actions, that our relationships will be transformed and filled with love and joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control. Help us to be the people you call us to be, that others may see you in our words, our actions, our thoughts, and the very motives of our heart. And Lord, we will continue to pray the prayer you taught us to pray, and if you don't know it, the words are on the screen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on this earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Grab your Bibles. We are a Word and Spirit church. And we can't be a Word church if we're not in the Word. So grab your Bibles. We're gonna, I want to look at two scriptures today before we go back to Philippians and spend the rest of the morning uh, in the Philippians uh, book that we've been talking about. Isaiah 55 is where I want to start out. We want to go all the way back to the Old Testament because when we, as we have been talking about how we think about our thinking, about our thoughts and thinking about what is pure and lovely and admirable and commendable, excellent, this is not new. It is not novel. This isn't something that Paul uh, is the only person who talked about this. This is, this is, God has been talking about this from the very beginning. Go back to uh, Isaiah 55 and begin at verse 6. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call on him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake their ways and the unrighteous their thoughts. There we go. Let them turn to the Lord and he will have mercy on them. And to our God, for he will freely pardon. 
For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So are you seeing the contrast here? God is saying that in this world there is a way of thinking, and my ways are not like that. My thoughts are not those thoughts. There is a contrast. So now let's go to another one of Paul's letters, 2 Corinthians chapter 10. He was writing a letter to the believers in Corinth, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, and Paul had this reputation that when he was actually in Corinth with the people, he was, they, they, a lot of people felt like he was kind of timid and he wasn't, he wasn't like he was in his letters. In his letters, he's really bold and talks about things in very strong ways, but when he was with them, he was just kind of timid and didn't seem to be like the same person that he was in his letters. So he writes at the beginning of chapter 10, by the humility and gentleness of Christ. And I want you to, if you're marking your Bibles, circle those words, humility and gentleness. Because what have we been talking about? That, that we want to operate in the fruits of the Spirit. Which is what? It's, part of, it's about being humble, and it's about being loving and gentle and kind. So Paul is coming to them with humility and gentleness of Christ. I appeal to you. I, Paul, who am timid when face to face with you, but bold toward you when you are away. I beg you that when I come, I may not have to be as bold as I expect towards some people who think we live by the standards of this world. So now he's saying, here's the contrast again. There are these standards. This is the way the world operates. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, the weapons we have are divine power to demolish strongholds. He's talking about spiritual strongholds of this world. We demolish arguments, and what are we doing? Now we're here, here's the world's arguments and the world's pretension that sets itself up against knowing God. And, and here's where you underline it, we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So what we have been talking about in this series is really about taking our thoughts captive. Now last week, Kevin talked about confession. And he made this statement, which I love. He said, could it be possible that our confession is lovely? That when we confess our sins to one another, it is lovely because what we are doing is moving towards love and transformation. Let's think about that. Because now this week, we're moving into what is commendable. Okay? Now, uh, Dan, go with the slide three, if you would, please. A couple of weeks ago in the auditorium, uh, when we were talking about purity, I used on the whiteboard, I used this concept of concentric circles. Think about who we are. At the very core, right there, in the, deep down is our heart and our soul and our motives. And then we have a will. We can choose. We can will 
what we're going to think about, how we're going to behave, what we're going to do. Our mind, our thoughts, what's this, this whole series is about thinking about how we think and how to renew our mind, take those thoughts captive. Because then we have these emotions. We feel. And then that often leads to our words and behavior, the things that other people see as we interact day by day. And what I have learned is that in my experience that most people operate only in the emotions, in the words and the behavior. In fact, some psychologists say that there really are only two core emotions, love and fear. And so we're, a lot of times we're just operating, our minds are going and we don't even, we don't control our mind. Our emotions control our mind and our behavior. And so the paradigm, what Jesus is talking about when he came, is like, I want to change you from the inside out, which is very different than the world does. The world wants us to change from the outside in. I have a confession to make. That's what Kevin said. Confession is lovely. It moves towards love. So this is public knowledge. This is not new uh, for many, but it might be new for you. Um, many years ago, before I even moved to Pella, I went through a, a period of years, I call them my dark years. And if you look at that, my, my heart, there were some things in my heart that weren't right. And that led me to think certain things, and I had a lot of emotional anger in me, as well as shame, um, fear, and insecurity, and I committed adultery. And a couple years after that, my first marriage, marriage of 17 years, ended in divorce. Now, I'm not proud of that. Back, I still have to fight against the shame of that, but here's what I tell you. This is why I tell you this. And here's why it is lovely. Because the story is not about my adultery and my divorce. The story is how God redeemed my mistakes and my failures to transform me from the inside out. What's lovely is that old things pass away and new things come. So now, this week we talk about commendable. Let's go to the next slide. Could we, Dan? Commendable, admirable. Comes from the Greek word euphemos, which means you is the root word good and Theme being report, so of a good report. So whatever is admirable, things that of good reputation. Now, whenever we get to reputation, as I really meditated on this, we've got to be careful because reputation is a double-edged sword. And we can even look at Jesus in this. So Jesus, sinless, he had a good reputation. In fact, in the Gospels, this very word, euphemos, 
was used when it talked about Jesus had been out in the towns around the Sea of Galilee, healing the sick and, and preaching the kingdom of God. And a good report, a euphemist of Jesus was spreading out through the land. And you're like, of course it was. Jesus had a great reputation. But here's the thing. Jesus did not have a great reputation with everybody. Because you talk to some people, like the, and especially the good religious church-going people, and Jesus didn't have such a good reputation. In fact, you can go to Luke chapter, chapter uh, 4, verses 28 through 29. Jesus in his home church giving his first sermon, and they wanted to throw him off a cliff after the sermon. Jesus, in chapter, Luke chapter 7, verses 33 through 34, Jesus said, John the Baptist came fasting, and they said that he was, he was awful. He was a false prophet. I, the son of man, come drinking and eating, and they call me a drunkard and a glutton, and I don't hang out with the right people. So with certain people, Jesus did not have a good reputation, especially with the good church people. And the same thing with Paul. Paul, boy, he was, he was out there doing the things that God wanted him to do. But let's go back to Philippians. Now we're going to go to Philippians, and we're going to spend the rest of our, our day here in Philippians. Go to uh, chapter 3 of Philippians. And Paul, first of all, he goes, okay, let me tell you about my worldly reputation. When I was a good, God-fearing Jew, verse Verse four, though I myself have reasons for such confidence. If someone thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee. As for zeal, persecuting the church. And if you're taking your notes, you've got your Bible mark, underline that. Because here's something that we need to remember about Paul. Whenever he told his story, he always made sure to remind people that he was a murderer. In fact, you can go to Acts chapter 22, verse 4, or Acts 26, verses 9 through 11, or his letter to the Galatians in chapter 1, 13. And as he shares his testimony, he shares with the fact that, that I was once the guy who was going around either throwing Christians or jail or trying to have them executed. When Stephen, one of the first disciples in Acts, was stoned to death, it was Paul standing over Stephen, holding the, the cloaks of the people stoning him and giving his stamp of approval. And as long as Paul lived, there are some people who could say that Paul, he was a murderer. So reputation is kind of a double-edged sword. Now I wanna move into, let's go to the next slide if we could, Dan. This is, a, uh, this is something that I've used in the with the auditorium family a number of times. I've mentioned it occasionally here in the, the sanctuary, but I just wanna use this as kind of a, a, a way of talking about this. Four levels, think about your life on four levels, my life on four levels. Level one 
is just me. And it's the conversation, my, my friend Matthew always says, everyone is having a conversation with life, capital L. We may not know it's God, but we're always having a conversation with ourselves and with God. And so level one is me, back to that concentric circle. It's me, my heart, my soul, my will, my mind, my emotions. And then level two is my community. It's me and it's you, you're my community. It's who you see me as. It's who, who I am when I'm interacting with you. It's the reputation that I have with you and that you have with me, okay? Level three are the kingdoms of this world and by the institutional powers. Government is an institution, a kingdom of this world. The church is an institution of this world. The, uh, you can think about commerce, business, think about entertainment, think about, uh, it's all, these are all kingdoms of the world, okay? And then level four, which is the highest, it's important, there's a hierarchy here, you get to level four and that's the kingdom of God, okay? So kingdom of God is where God wants us to operate. Next slide, please. The way the world works is power top down. Now some of this is not, some of this is good, we need that. We need police and laws and courts and we need power, government power in order to keep the peace and keep the law and keep our society safe and, and orderly. That's a good thing. But one of the things that I've experienced in my life is that every human system can be corrupted in its power. I'll give you an example. When I was a young man, think about government. I had a job, it was in a private business that operated inside this government building because we had to use government records and things. The government and building in this case, um, the government entity was part of a political machine and it doesn't matter which party it was, it was, a, it was a political machine that had been in control for 40 years. So I'm a young teenager and um, I am working this building I, and at this point in time, it's, this is in the 1980s, the federal law that had already been passed, no smoking in any government building. There are these two women uh, in this one office that sat and smoked like chimneys all day long. And then I went to this one uh, place, the, these windows where I went up to record some records and this lady in the, behind the window, she goes, oh, I'm not working today. Go to a different window. And I went, what? I'm not working today. Pick a different window. So I go back to my boss and I'm like going, what? why can they smoke? How, how can she do this? And my boss said, Tom, this is because there is a political machine that has run this building for 40 years. And the political machine will protect them and they can do whatever they want. They are untouchable. And we have to work with them. So you don't complain and you don't say anything because that's the way the world works. Okay, all right. And even, you know, even in churches, it's true. The church is a human system. I've been, I was on staff with a church, a uh, couple churches. 
where I re- come to find out that who really ran the church was the man or the family that had all the money and was the most prominent, powerful person and the, high, the biggest donor in the church. And whatever that person wanted is what the board decided. I was in two churches that operated under that paradigm. I had one church that was the pastor, and the pastor was, was the king of this church, and whatever he decided, that was it. And in any of these, in any of these paradigms, power can be used for control. It can be corrupted. So that's the way the world works. When Jesus came, the Jews, even the disciples, what they believed the Messiah was going to do is going to come from four down to three. And the Messiah was going to create his own kingdom on level three. He was going to kick out the Romans. He was going to elevate the Jews to control and rule the world. And then he was going to dictate the way things would work from the top down. That's what the expectation was, because they, that's how the world works. That's what they expected. But Jesus didn't do that. Let's go to Philippians chapter 2. Next slide, please, Dan. Philippians 2, 5 through 8. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. Being made in human likeness and being found in the appearance of man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even on a cross. So Jesus' paradigm is I'm going to come from level four and I'm going to come all the way down and I am going to have a relationship with Tom. He didn't come down to create a kingdom of this world in which to dictate what to do. He came down to create a kingdom in me so that As he transforms me, God's kingdom comes out in every way. Let's go back. Can you go back to three, slide three, Dan? He came down to change my heart so that now my motives are not about, I just want to be secure and I want to make sure that I'm I'm not shamed and I want to make sure that I look good in front of everybody else and I want to make sure that I don't have to fear being canceled or shamed publicly. I just want to, No, he changes my heart motives so that now my will is not about what I want, but what he wants. My mind is transformed and I'm not thinking the way the world thinks, but I start thinking the way God thinks. My emotions are sudden, oh, wait a minute, I don't have to be afraid because God's love casts out out fear. I don't have to allow myself to be anxious because through the Spirit, I can find the peace of God that passes all understanding. I don't have to worry about my situations in this world because I can be content. Let's go to Philippians chapter 4. Look at that. 
Verse 11, I'm not saying because of my need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation. So Paul there is saying, that, look, when my emotions say, where's my next meal going to come from? Everything's falling apart. I'm in prison. I've been sick. I, I was shipwrecked. I didn't, have any, uh, I didn't know where I was going to get a place to stay tonight. But I don't have to be anxious. I don't have to be afraid of that. I can be content because God is with me. Boy, that's not the way the world thinks at all. We, no, we need lots of money so that we have security. We need to have all the toys to enjoy life. It's a different way of thinking. Um, let's skip down, could we, to uh, slide eight. Will you, Dan? We love fear or love. We love because he first loved us. So now Jesus comes down and he sets up his kingdom in my heart. He dies for me and he transforms my heart. And now what? I want to live for him. It's a different motive. Seek ye first what? Kingdom of God and his righteousness. So now, instead of seeking the world and the things of the world, I'm seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Then all these things will be added unto you. Don't store up treasures on earth. Not, don't store up things from level three down because it's gonna rust and it's gonna rot and you're gonna have to take care of it. It's gonna maintain it. And then ultimately you are gonna die and you're gonna leave it all behind. No, store up for yourself treasures in where? Heaven. The kingdom of God. I want you to be a kingdom people thinking about the kingdom of God. Even in this earth. We live in the world, yes, but we don't operate the way the world operates. And so, let's go to the next slide, if we could, Dan. The problem is, is that we typically operate right here in these three levels. Very rarely do I find people who truly are thinking kingdom thoughts. I, I rarely find people who are operating at looking at their daily life and circumstances in the perspective of the kingdom of God. Instead, we're just operating out of our emotions and our thoughts are being dictated by our emotions. We want wealth and status. Why? So that we can have power and control. Do you know that 25%, it was in Forbes magazine, 25% of young people want to be influencers. That's what they want to do with their life. What's an influencer? Let's go back to, let's go back to slide three, Dan. Here's what an influencer is. I go out on social media and I broadcast my words, my behaviors, my fashions, my thoughts, and that... I get this big following, and everyone looks at me and what I am doing, and I have them. And then what happens is because I am influencing so many people, companies will sponsor me. People will pay me to, to wear their things or to say their things or to push their products. And then I, all I do, all I'm going to do for, as a career People are just going to pay me to be me. 
That's how the world is thinking, right? Let's go back to slide nine, if we could. I'm going to gain this wealth and status in the kingdom of this world, and then I'm going to be popular and have all this power and influence in the culture. So we typically operate on these three levels, but let's go back to Philippians, and now I want you to go to chapter, back to chapter three. Paul says, yeah, I did things in the world. I had this great reputation. I was a persecutor of the church. I was, I was educated. I was top of the game, top of the ladder in the religious kingdom. But whatever, verse 7, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Don't want the things of the world, good reputation, or do I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and participate in his sufferings? For whose sake I have lost all things. I consider all of these things garbage. In my chapter day blog, I was blogging through Philippians this week, and uh, as I got to this chapter, I looked up the Greek words uh, for garbage, and it's skybalon. And while it has a general connotation of things that are rotting and decaying and worthless, specifically in Paul's day, the word skybalon was used for cow dung. In other words, in today's nomenclature, Paul is saying that everything in this world and the things of this world are B as in B, S as in S. It's all BS. What is really true, what is really eternal, what is really of any eternal value is level four. I consider everything else which is part of why I'm content, because I'm not long for this world. This world is not my home, I'm just passing through. What I am doing right now is trying to bring God's kingdom back to this earth and to the people, let's go back to you know, like, like level two there, my community. I am trying to take the gospel forward and up. So here's the thing, when you think about reputation, you think about your reputation can be outside in or your reputation can be from the inside out. A lot of times, the, the religious people in Jesus' day, read Matthew 23, he said, you guys are really good. You have a reputation of being religious and going to church and giving your money and doing all these things. But your heart's are dirty, they're rotten, they're skybalon. And so what happens, when we have a reputation that way, it's really out of fear. I wanna have fear, I, wa I want to have prestige and have a good reputation because I'm afraid of being ashamed. How many parents parent out of fear that their children are somehow gonna reflect poorly on them? Whereas Jesus wants to say, no, 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 I want to change you from the inside out. There are some people to this day, my brothers and sisters in Christ, who have never spoken to me after my divorce. Almost 20 years ago. I got a poison pen letter 
about 10 pages handwritten, condemning me to hell by one Christian brother. So for some people, my reputation still is that I, I, I'm an adulterer and I'm divorced. But that's not the end of the story. It's not. There are some people that are always going to think of Paul as a murderer. There are some people that were going to consider Jesus a drunkard and a glutton and a bad example of being a good Jewish boy and rabbi. So am I outside in or am I inside out? Let's go to the slide 11. 12, if you could, Dan, 12. Okay, we go. Jesus came down. And do you see the circle of love? <laughs> do you see it? He transforms me. I am transformed to think kingdom thoughts and live kingdom realities. And in that circle of love, then notice what happens from me I, with the same humility and generosity and servant-heartedness that Jesus exemplified when he came to give his life for me, I now am going to act, because he loved me so much, I'm going to love people in my community. And I am going to live out of generosity. And because I want them to know Christ... I'm going to be careful about what I say and what I do. And the people that I care about my reputation with are primarily my clients who I want to know Christ, my non-believing friends, and yes, I have some. I, may, I always have some that don't know Christ. Those are the ones I care about my reputation, and I want my reputation to be this, that Tom is... Tom is so loving, he is so generous, he is so kind, he is so patient and gentle. That's what I want my reputation to be. And if there are good religious people for whom I'm just a divorced adulterer that, and they never want to speak to me again, you know what, I'm good with that. I can let that go. Because what's really most important is what God is, Christ is doing through me, through my failure, through my mistakes, through my sinfulness. He is moving, what did Kevin say last week? Moving me towards love. And as they do, old things pass away, new things come. I'm gonna ask the uh, worship team to come on up again. We are. We're going to have some time of worship, a couple of songs. Elders, deacons will be here to serve communion. Prayer ministers will be here if you need prayer. And I specifically want to ask for a couple things for you to think about as we worship, as we take communion. If, if you have made mistakes in your life, if you have things in your heart and life and you have not confessed them, you've tried to hide them, because, because out of, you just don't want to be ashamed of people knowing that you've made these mistakes. And that's very real. May I ask you to open your heart to Holy Spirit to see if today might be the day
that you come forward and you confess your sin, you take the bread and the cup, and you receive, you receive God's forgiveness. Or maybe you need to talk to a prayer minister and ask them to pray for God's forgiveness and mercy over you. For those of you who may have given up on yourself because of your shame for the mistakes that you've made, I would ask that you might consider that God has something more to do in your life and that you are not finished. (laughs) Jesus wants to use that failure and use that shame for his glory. And finally, if you recognize that in your life, you try and build your reputation by your words and your actions in order to hide what's really going on in your heart, then maybe it's time for you to do some work asking Christ into your heart to change your heart from the inside out.